So not everybody, you don't have to be superhuman to be effective, to be successful, to be good. And so the analogy would be that, you know, do one of the two of the things that Gene could do a hundred on, and you'll have a very successful career, I think. You hear all the bull about marketing every day. Make your money in your sleep. My new offer is crushing it. My guru could beat up your guru. It's time to go right to the source and get the truth about marketing. With your host, the founder of CopyChief.com, Kevin Rogers. Welcome back to The Truth About Marketing. It's Kevin Rogers here. Special episode today, a follow-up to a really important conversation that's going on right now in the world of freelance copywriting. And uh, with marketers and publishers, for a long time, there's been sort of a working model for how freelancers and business owners work together. And it is my belief and the belief of my friend Brian Kurtz that that model is expiring pretty quickly. And so Brian wrote a really amazing post on his blog, sent it out to his newsletter subscribers about a month ago called The Next Million Dollar Copywriter. It's an important piece of work in our industry. It's caused a ton of discussion, both in Brian's inbox and in my private community called Copy Chief, where these things are an important topic of conversation. So I've invited Brian back today to further this conversation. You're going to hear all about this article, why he wrote it, and the reaction that we've been hearing since then. And we're also going to give you the top three things you should be focused on, whether you're a uh, business owner, marketer, or a freelancer, so that you can work together and both prosper in the greatest way possible. So Brian, thanks for being back and uh, really looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. We've been kind of talking about riffing on this topic before. And then when you told me the kind of conversations that you were having with your your folks, and then I figured, all right, I'm, let me spark a fire with my folks. And boy, it's uh, it's been a bit of a bonfire. It's kind of <laughs> more than I thought. And and mostly, not negative, yeah. but people really interested in in having a conversation based on where you know, where we're going right now in terms of creative resources and how they relate to marketing today. Yeah, you know, I think I'd just like to read the beginning of your post, Brian, just to give everybody, if they haven't heard it, some context, or if it's been a little while since they read it, just to get their heads back into what caused this controversy. And, you know, again, our agenda here is to have this important conversation because look, there's a lot of money on the line here. (laughs) You know, you've been a part of one of the most successful publishing companies over the last three decades and uh, certainly have worked with every great copywriter there is. And, you know, you were telling me a funny story about occasionally people will come to you claiming to be the greatest copywriter alive. (laughs) (laughs) And you respond to them that, Wow, I must have been asleep at the wheel if I haven't met you or heard of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't I don't say it to sound elitist, but I do think that it's really funny. And at the end of this conversation, we could talk a little bit about the value of humility, no matter how yeah. good you are. <laughs> yeah, there's some delusional folks out there. I'm just gonna call it out, right? I mean, and yeah. again, we're not being negative, but step one of, of any of this working for you is to get a good gauge of where you are on the on the spectrum here doesn't mean you can't develop and develop quickly, 
But, you know, if you're delusional to begin with, then uh, that's to everybody's detriment. So yes, agreed. So your subject line for this, it went out as an email to your list. It was the next million dollar copywriter dot, dot, dot. It's a great headline. So then it says, if you thought the full subject line above could have been the next million dollar copywriter could be you, it's not because the world is changing in this area and quickly. In fact, I will maintain that the next million dollar copywriters will be working under a completely new paradigm, one that I believe all copywriters and marketers need to be aware of, and that is the subject of today's post. What I have to say is going to be controversial, so be it. As someone who has dedicated himself to being the best serial direct marketer I can be, I've been selfishly committed to never leaving the most important part of my marketing to amateurs. My wife and kids might think I'm a cheapskate, but you won't find one A-list copywriter who has ever worked with me thinking that. So I love that opener, Brian. And then you, of course, go on to talk in depth about how this all has worked and how it'll be working going forward. So give us a little summary of both, if, if you don't mind. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I was trying to think like where the where the the thought started, and it was actually at a at a presentation I gave at AWAI that you were at, and I got up on stage, and AWAI wanted me to do a presentation called, and they they titled it for me, and they said we want you to talk about what it really takes to write for the big dogs. That was their title, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, I'm not that comfortable with that title, only because you know, it's again, it sounds pretty elitist. You know, boardroom was a big dog in the direct mail world. And to be able to get up on stage and say, you know, how dare you think you could be my copywriter? In fact, I think I opened the the uh, speech with a, a, a Seinfeld video about when uh, George Costanza was going to become uh, Jerry's latex salesman. <laughs> and, you know, Jerry says, and you, you know, at the end, it was like, and you want to be my latex salesman when he's lying on the floor in his underwear. You have to watch the clip on YouTube. I can't <laughs> go through the whole thing. But. Basically, the concept was, you know, I, I put my hands on my hips to this audience and said, oh, so you want to be my copywriter as, as opposed to my latex salesman. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is that the demand that I was for making sure that the people that I assigned, uh, the, again, this most important part of my business to, because I knew the list area. I mean, I know that list might be the most important more than copy because mm-hmm. you can send crappy creative to the perfect list and you'll still get some response. You know, you send the best creative of all time to the worst list, you're not going to get anything. Right. But having said that, I want the best of both worlds. And if I'm I'm not going to waste a lot of time and energy on mediocre copy. So I got up there and I think what happened was after I gave the speech about, you know, the things that I look for in copywriters that I think have to be the best of the best, I got a lot of people that came up to me over the next couple of days that I was at AWAI saying, Brian you just seem like such an intimidating guy. You know, it's like, yeah, they were like, they were really, I didn't mean to, I I didn't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, believe me. (laughs) But on the other hand, I was being straight. Mm -hmm. And what I was being straight about is that you can't write for someone who is a big dog, who has a lot of dogs in the fight, meaning that you've got great products, great copy already. And if you're going to try to beat what I already have, you got to be so damn good because you got no chance otherwise. And what is damn good meaning? And that's what my speech was about. You got to have put in the 10,000 hours, according to Malcolm Gladwell, to become a phenom in copywriting. Mm-hmm. You need to know all the specifics of the, whatever topic th- that we're talking about. 
because you're trying to beat another A-list copywriter. And the fact that people thought that they could just jump in and beat someone, an A-list copywriter, with whatever they came up with on the spur of the moment that day because they had my email address and they said, Brian, I could write a package for you. Hmm. It's just not the way the world works. And so I took that to the next level with this post, which was, you know what? I don't know that that model works for anybody anymore. Mm -hmm. Because I think that the idea that everything is online and in the world of direct mail, at least you had a chance if you did get the control that you could keep it for more than 15 minutes, meaning you know you could get the winner and keep it for a while because yeah. you'd have to test something else in direct mail, which took some time. Mm -hmm. Whereas online, you know, you're beating as soon as something becomes a winner, you know, any good online marketer is trying to beat it within 15 minutes, right? Right. And so why do you want to be a hired gun going from client to client to client, getting the best new control package or the best new creator for them, but not having it hold serve, so to speak, in using a, a tennis analogy? And then when it loses, you're out. And you're out if, you, if you're getting, even if you're getting a royalty payment on the success of your package, you're kind of done because you just got beat really quickly. You know, even, you're, you can't even reap any of the of the benefits. So then I took it a step further and said, you know, it's not so far-fetched to dive deep with just one client, right? to be sort of the guy or the gal for one particular client in one particular area that you're the specialist in. And I'm not talking about areas that are broad. I'm not talking about health. I'm not talking about finance. I'm talking about chiropractic. I'm talking about you know, diabetes, yeah. deep dives, finance, you know, options. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it's like, if, you be, if you're an expert in options and you find the one client that's the best promoter of option, an options product and, and various backend products and options, why wouldn't you want to work for that one person exclusively? And then I realized that there's been a, and you, you've, you've talked about this a lot, Kev, you know, that there's this sort of myth out there of, you know, that to be free, to work for one client would be the same as having a day job. And why would I want to be a freelance copywriter anymore? Right. Because the, the dream of being a freelance copywriter and collecting royalties while you, you know, sit on the veranda on the southern coast of France is the dream that you had when you decided to be a freelance copywriter and why would I want the one client, which sounds like a day job? Yeah. And so I wanted to turn that on its ear. And why what I wrote was controversial, I think, is that I was almost saying, yeah, go work for one person or go work for one or two in a particular category. And so be it if it sounds like a day job. But think about a day job that you love. Think about a day job that is your life's work or your life's dream to write about or mm -hmm. And again, the, the obvious next step from that, which I didn't have in my blog post, which came out in a lot of the responses was, you know, well, if you're that great at that particular topic, why don't you launch the product yourself, yeah. Mr. Copywriter or Ms. Copywriter? And that would be the next thing, right? And so, and I, I didn't I didn't talk about that in the blog post, and that would have been the follow-up blog post, or maybe it's the follow-up that we you and I talk about. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, if you're that good on options, why not do your own options product and become the expert yourself, and you don't have to hire a copywriter because you're damn good already at writing copy. Yeah. So I think that was the whole thought process of even the things I didn't write about. 
But I think the key was that it was fairly simplistic when you think of it on the surface of the idea of going from hired gun copywriter, trying to beat someone's promotion, and then going on to the next hired gun product and beat someone else's promotion and going from client to client to client and trying to get a steady stream of income Mm -hmm. by having the best package or the best promotion for each of those people for a long period of time, that model, I think, is gone, or at least it's dying quickly, as you said. And the new model might be, which was the controversial part, is, you know, marriage as opposed to dating. And so you dive in with one client in a, in a category or a, a specific area that you've spent your lion's share of your training and your time and your reading and your research, and you become that person for that company. And I got to tell you, from the client side, because I'm, I'm not a boardroom anymore, but if I was, I think I missed the boat because mm-hmm. I think I could have as a client, I, I like this idea. So I tried it on for myself. What if I was still at boardroom mm-hmm. and this idiot, Brian Kurtz, is writing a blog post <laughs> about this? Why the hell would I even be interested? And I was interested because, wow, if I could find that one person to hire full time who could do all my copies, soup to nuts. Now, boardroom was a little too broad. You know, we had general health topics. We, you know, I would have had to have somebody who was a specialist in blood sugar and diabetes and somebody who might be an expert in heart disease and and cholesterol. But, you know, I think that having one person on staff who became an expert in a few of those topics might have been a much better way than to try to keep finding the next great copywriter to come in and save my life. I think you you had a great line in our pre-call. You said, it's either... What do we say? It's either a shaman or it's a uh, yeah. What was or a vendor, right? Or a vendor, right? So, so you know, it, it's a shaman and a vendor. Yeah, yeah, and, right. And I don't know that going out to look for that shaman slash vendor is something that got really, really tiring for me in my latter years at boardroom. And now that I'm on the outside looking in a little bit to the industry, I think that there's an incredible opportunity for you know hiring in, internally. Now, the one thing that always also helped me back at Boardroom is that Marty Edelston and I were not, we were good copy evaluators. And Marty in particular was great at editing headlines and concepts and copy platforms, but he wasn't someone who could copy chief copy coming in. So the idea of hiring somebody who wasn't really, really skilled and have them be on their own internally kind of scared us a little bit because we weren't going to be as hands-on. And the, the analogy I would draw is like, you know, Agora always had Bill Bonner and Mark Ford. Mm-hmm. And when you have people like that in-house that are in some ways better or as good as anybody on the outside, now you've got the ability to, to start training that the troops in-house. And, right. and the companies that I admire the most right now in direct response are the ones that are building these internal teams but they have some people in house with some chops. Yeah. And so that's part of the dilemma I think among the client side, but that shouldn't stop the writers from looking for those kinds of companies because I just think it's a whole different way to look at your career as a quote unquote copywriter. It's yeah. you become a copywriter slash marketer. And so I think that kind of summarizes like how I got to the post and why I did the post. And yeah, now we're being flooded with responses. Right. And so 
in a second, I want to get to, you, you closed it beautifully with two better questions that both freelance copywriters and marketers should be asking you. Because another thing we have in common on this topic, Brian, is that you and I both hear from both parties very often wondering how to connect. Companies come to us and say, we're tired of hiring. Well, if they're not asking for a gun, they're asking for a team. They say, how do we hire a team? How much do we have to develop talent? Where's all the talent hiding? If you're a freelancer, you're saying, where are the clients who understand the value of my magic power and are willing to compensate me accordingly. Exactly. And it's 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 a complicated issue because there's so many factors that we can't get into all of them on this call. But a few of them are, they're practical, they're psychological, and they're emotional. And look, marketers and, and freelance copywriters, from my point of view, are two very different animals. Let's just quickly, one of the responses we both heard back quite a bit was, and I think you touched on it, this idea of, well, why don't you just start your own product? You know, this is what I call the sickness. <laughs> I jokingly refer to this and, and I call my freelancers sickos because the idea is that why in the world, if you have the ability to create a home run package for a marketer and their product, would you not take that skill set and go create your own product and keep all the money? And the reason that I've been able to discover why that is, and this is coming from, I'm intimately familiar with freelancers, high-level freelancers and how they work. And what I've discovered is that there's a, just a bit of a codependency. And the, the, the reason why it's not as instinctive for a good freelance copywriter to go start their own business and, and create their own product is that... Part of what makes you a great freelancer is caring a little too much, if there's such a thing. Mm -hmm. And because you care so much about doing great work, that's what makes you become great at this. Put in that 10,000 hours you talk about. and But it also makes it a bit tumultuous emotionally to be a freelancer and to want to please your clients and to have them sometimes not be pleased. Marketers just don't really have that gene, I don't think. <laughs> the ones I know, it's not that they're psychopaths or sociopaths, but they're just not as, you know, they don't get as emotional about things. Part of being a great entrepreneur is that you can handle the swings. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be hills and valleys and you deal with it and you know that better things are coming, right? Yes. You persevere. Freelancers are a little bit more, if a job goes bad, if the package doesn't work, they need to go take a long walk in the woods yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and realign, right? It's yeah. the writers still, you know? Yeah, no, it's the artist mentality. I mean, I, I'll, I'll add two things to what you're saying. One is that, you know, and again, I, I'm with you in if they could, you know, if you can figure out a way to, if you're obsessed with a particular product, project, subject area, life mission. Yeah. I mean, yeah, be, you definitely should do it for yourself and not do it for someone else. I mean, I got all that, but you know, the fact is two things. One is most copywriters I know who I've met over the years, some are exceptions, but most could never run a business. And to me, you know, was, uh, I think, I think Carlton has a great quote, you know, promotion is not a business. Right. And he's really referring to online marketers who think that they get a winner and all of a sudden they have a business. Right. Right. Or 
a product is not a business. Actually, I think I think um, yeah yeah. Carlton says a promotion is not a business. He says an ad is not a business. Yeah, an ad is not a business. And then there was another guy, uh, an online marketer, who said something to the effect of a product is not a business. You need you need to have multiple products and back end and all of that. Those are like daunting notions for the artist who, as you said, writes a package and needs to walk in the woods or needs to walk in the woods to write the package. Yeah, right. And so it's understandable that a lot of copywriters would say, you know, I'm not ready to run my own business, even though I like this particular subject area more than any other. However, you know, the only thing I would say is that if you're that obsessed, the big money is going to be made when you do it yourself. And maybe you can figure those things out by taking a couple of management courses. Maybe some of that can be figured out by, you know, being in strategic coach with Dan Sullivan and figuring out how to like delegate and do things like that you've never done before. Because to really make big changes, you gotta, you gotta take a look at your life in a much bigger way. You don't have to, I'm not saying this is like a, you have to do it. Right. So that one, one of two things I was going to add to you, one is, Copywriters can't run businesses generally, but that doesn't mean that they should never run a business and figuring out how to run a business could be the key to their happiness. Yes. If they can figure it out. Absolutely. And then the other piece is that I see a lot of creative talent when they realize that they, hey, you know what, why am I writing for all these other people? And, you know, I'm making them all this money. I can be making all this money myself. And then they jump into something, what I call for the equity only. And what I mean by that is someone brings them a business, like a done-for-you business that's ready to be sold on the cheap, you know, a nutritional supplement business, for for example. Mm -hmm. And the writer has no interest in nutritional supplements, but they can write good copy for just about anything, or they think they can, Mm -hmm. and they jump into something just for the sake of owning it, just for the sake of having equity, and then being able to tell their friends and family, I have my own business, I have equity, I'm no longer a a, a work-for-hire and look at me, I'm writing all the copy for it, and I own the inventory, and I own all this stuff. And then, of course, you know, you get yourself into all sorts of messes because, A, you don't know how to run a business, which I said in, in, in point one, and B, maybe more importantly, you don't really want to be in that business because it's not part of your passion. So that went back to what I wrote about in my thing, that I think the caveat I put on you know, why not do it myself as opposed to do it for someone else? You better be in love. Like, you better be so in love with this subject area. And I've seen it. So, for example, I don't know that, that uh, Gary Bensavang is a bad example because he did figure out how to run a business. But Gary, you know, went into this olive oil business. I, I think he really liked it. I think he likes cooking. He saw it as something that would be close to a passion. I mean, a better example might be our, we have a buddy, you know, Nick Ortner, who mm-hmm. has a thing called the Tapping Solution which is, you know, a, a self-imposed, you know, therapy technique called tapping. Mm-hmm. And he's his best copywriter because it's his life mission. And Nick figured out how to run the business. Not that he was a copywriter first. I mean, he had some business acumen, but I think Nick's a good example of somebody who, you know, is writing all his own copy. I don't think he uses freelance copywriters as far as I know. And he writes damn good email. I mean, because mm-hmm. he's writing about his passion. Just like when you write about your stuff, Kev, or Ben Settle writes about email marketing. I mean, you could draw an analogy there, couldn't you? Of somebody who's writing in their passion. Right. So I don't know. I, that was a long-winded thing to add no, to points, but I wanted to add those That was great. Points. And yeah, the big takeaways are, and let's just call it out. And the copywriters who can run a business are going to all call us. 
<laughs> and bitch us out and say, you, you know, but I can name, we could sit here and both name several. I mean, Ben Settles one who Ben preaches all the time about be your own best client, factor in some time for yourself, give yourself that fresh brain in the morning. I preach the same thing to a lot of the freelancers I coach, but I preach it in regards to market yourself, become an authority, raise your value in the marketplace, mm -hmm. because the higher up the food chain you get, the more you're going to learn, the better networked you're going to be. And then you can really make some decisions about if you should be running a business or not. I think of Chris Haddad, who's a fantastic copywriter who went into the romance niche created a character, treated it almost like a fictional exercise, right? And did very well in that in that industry. Yes. So there are examples. Of, Those are great examples. Yeah. And then I, of course, you know, created. So in Ben and I's case, we're passionate about the thing that got us here. <laughs> and some people take what they learned and, and channel it somewhere else. There's also the people that, there are people in, in the launch community, for example, in the online launch community who were experts in something. They weren't necessarily copywriters, but then they studied the great copywriters. I mean, I know a guy in Brazil who's the who basically does product launch formula in, in Brazil. He's like the Jeff Walker of Brazil. In a lot of ways, he's bigger than Jeff Walker. Mm. And he's quoting like Max Sackheim to me, not in Portuguese, thank God, yeah. but you know, in, in English. Do you make these mistakes in English? Obviously, it was mm -hmm. one of the... Uh, Don Capel's ad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's actually using that kind of stuff. So here's a guy who, and his videos and everything, he became a student of copy, but he wanted to be the launch expert in Brazil. There's a guy in that group, his name is Will Hamilton, mm -hmm. who is, you know, got a, a site called fuzzyyellowballs.com. <laughs> and it's the number one site for tennis instruction online. And I don't, Will wasn't a copywriter first. He was a tennis player. He wanted to teach tennis instruction online. He had contacts in the industry. And then he just studied swipes. And he, I, I don't know if he's a student of the classics like the other guy is, Erico, but mm -hmm. he became his own best copywriter from being his own best advocate for his product line. So I use those as examples. That's not probably the audience we're talking to at the moment. Yeah. But you know what? I think it shows that both are being passionate about your 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 number one interest in your life and being able to write about it and mm -hmm. express and communicate about it and sell it, mm -hmm. it's a learnable skill, no? I mean, mm -hmm. you teach copywriting, so you tell me, but yeah. I think it's a teachable thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think really what it always comes down to is teaching, right? Look, if if you're a natural teacher and you're good at instructing people on how to do something better, then you are somebody qualified to create products. And as a copywriter, that is, I think, a prerequisite skill that you care enough and you're empathetic enough to make sure you're clearly getting across what it is that needs to be understood, right? Right. Whether that's to be persuasive or whether it's to be educational. And as Gary's taught us for many years, the, the greatest thing is to combine those two things and give lots of value in your copy. Yeah, you, you know, you remind me of another really good example, Kev, about my buddy, uh, Dean Graciosi, who a lot of people know, one of the really great marketers, mostly through TV. He's the real estate millionaire guy and yeah. stayed in an industry that everybody else was getting out. And he was able to stay in because of his high integrity and the things he was able to do where, you know, the authorities are always looking at people who are, you know, talking about flipping real estate and all that. And the point I want to make there is that I remember Dean saying to me once that, and he did all of his own 
video on TV. He did all of his own video online, which is all copies. It's a studio right? right in his house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Studio in his house and in his office. And he was able to never scripted. Yeah, you know, the yeah. stuff was just, you know, he's brilliant. Yeah. He's yeah. A brilliant marketer and able to express himself, which makes him a brilliant copywriter, by the way. Right. Right. You know, he wrote great copy to his audience. And he said one of the biggest breakthroughs in his business for him personally was finding someone to write in his voice. Yes. And when Dean Graciosi says that I pay attention, right? Because here's a, you know, one of the great gurus in that area. Mm-hmm. And most people in his world would never think, wow, I should go hire somebody to do my creative so I could do some other things in my business building. And yet he did it. And it was, you know, a huge breakthrough for him because now he was able to do a lot more. Now, it took a while, I think, to find that copywriter. I know that a lot of the gurus that I talk to now are looking for that. So you're, talk about a career opportunity. What if you were a, copy, a copywriter on this call, knew of a subject area and knew all the gurus in that subject area, but knew that subject area as well as the guru did except they didn't have the following, they didn't have the list building techniques, they didn't have all those things. Wouldn't that be a cool job, right? To be the voice Mm -hmm. and be actually as good or better than the guru himself or herself. Yeah. Because you could write, I'm I'm just using that as like a fantasy thing, but. Yeah, and that's a good one because it's actually very real. And I'll just cite a couple of other examples. Oh, good. You know, I don't think Ramit has any problem with me saying that he, you know, he came to me with that same issue. Yes. And now here's a guy who's known for his voice. One of the strongest voices in marketing. I think so. It, just an incredible writer. Those people who aren't oh, right. Ramit Sethi, but yep. most people know him. Yeah, when you say Ramit, everybody knows Thank him. Thank you. Yeah, right, right. Ramit Sethi, I will teach you to be rich.com. Despite the funky sounded name, marker of great in- integrity, a, a fantastic teacher. And just operates at a very high level and writes very long emails. He's full of personality. He uses a lot of examples from his own life to teach. And so to bring in a copywriter <laughs> who can step in and be remit, it, it can't happen. There's no way you could just inject that person. They'd have to have like remit's phone <laughs> in their hand. You and know? not only that, Kev, go back to the humility thing. You know, so remit who has to have a huge ego in a good way to have the following he has, to be able to be out there the way that he is able to be as bold as he is with this copy. Mm-hmm. And yet he was able to say, I'm willing to have somebody come in and be my voice. That's a big deal, right? It's, it's a someone- big deal. It's an, and again, it's a practical issue. Just like you said for Dean, it's like, it seemed like something he could never accomplish almost, but he had to. And so one of the topics that I think it's important for us to cover here is this idea that, you know, there has to be a dedication to nurturing talent. And that doesn't mean that you find some diamond in the rough writer and and try to teach them to sell. There are obvious requirements here to make this work as a freelancer. You've got to have some acumen here and some savvy. But, you know, in Ramit's case, he's, it's been working. I think it's lightened his load, but he's, there's no way he can just walk away. He's got to come up with the ideas for the emails and that kind of thing, right? But I think that's what he probably prefers to do. Yeah, he doesn't want to just totally walk away from not yeah. know what's going out. Now, I won't name names because I think they're a little more private about their their business handlings, but there's a, another client I had where they, over time, were able to 
develop a writer to to be the voice of the product, and it's it's gone phenomenally well to where that that writer now is in charge of is there it's he's now the director of their email marketing, right, right, and he sends the emails and it's all in his hands. And that couldn't be a more fantastic scenario for both parties. Does the guy get paid very well? Six figures? Yes. Are they happy to pay it? Yes. Do they make that back in two or three emails at times? Yeah. Yeah. So it, but everybody's happy. So this really can work, but let's talk a minute about humility and let's just talk about. I want to do the humility on the other side that the copywriter, user meets case, whoever would come in there Let's say they had some experience in personal finance or helping Ramit's core audience. And if they go in there with attitude that they know more than Ramit, that's going to not work. No, no. Now, that doesn't mean that Ramit doesn't respect them because that's why he hired. I'm, I'm, I'm making all this up. I have no idea right. who Ramit's writers are and who anybody. Let's, uh, let's take Ramit out of the conversation. Let's just say, say Guru, Guru X. X is hiring copywriter Y. Both sides have to put their ego on back burner, have some humility to say the guru's got the goods and the writer has the goods because they know something about that topic. But if they come in and say, you know, look at all this, look at all these packages I wrote in your category and I'm God's gift to copy, yeah. like the people that the, the delusional thing that you and I talked about before. It's not going to work. Right, right. I can tell you it's not going to work. Yeah. Because now you got two, you know, big egos banging into each other. Yeah. On the other hand, Guru X can't afford to hire copywriter Y, who's a total novice either, for that type of work. Right. They have to be an expert of some sort. So once you're an expert, don't let you, I guess, I guess my point is don't let you being an expert in a particular subject area cloud you into being delusional that you're better than the guru. Yeah, right. And again, this is all optional. (laughs) All optional, We're not not here to tell you how to run your business or your life. But we're both being pretty opinionated here. And look, we hope that, you know, you and I discuss the possibility. We'll see what kind of reaction we get. But I'm interested in going on on a live call with the same audience that listens to this. Yeah, having them weigh in. You know, live chat and and Q&A and get into it. Because I I love the way you just said that. This is all optional. Yeah, because really, again, there's a very clear mission here for Brian and I. And that is that, as I said, we're both inundated from from each party with how to help me solve this problem. Yes. And what we both see every day is a whole lot of talent and a whole lot of opportunity. And what typically gets in the way of those things working together is either ignorance of the opportunity, belief in a fantasy that just doesn't exist anymore, or ego. And so- That is so well put, Kevin. You gotta write that one down for your own blog. That was brilliant. But but that's what we're here to solve, just so we're clear with people. Yeah. You're the kinder, gentler Dan Kennedy. And I'm the kinder, gentler John Carlton here here to serve you. <laughs> I want to read, Brian, how you ended your post. I love the, the way you did this. The two better questions that these parties might be asking uh, folks like Brian and I. The, the, maybe the marketers could be asking, what talented copywriter slash creative talent is out there who might have a keen interest in taking a deep dive into my world and my company possibly leading to an exclusive or almost exclusive relationship. That's from the marketer side. Yeah, and and just so you know, that's instead of what I usually get is, hey, Brian, 
I hear you know a lot of copywriters. Can you recommend one? <laughs> you see the difference between those two lines? Uh, right, right, right. People have no idea how crazy that you know question is. That request just drives me nuts, <laughs> and I get it three or four times a week, Kev. Yeah, I, I know. really do. I know. Now, did you get any reactions? Anybody send you that question no, from the marketer side? None of the marketers, most of the people who responded to my post with a copy, read the copywriter. Okay, so here's the cut, right. So here's how you said the copywriters might be asking the better question. I am obsessed with blank. And when I write about blank, I do my best work. Do you have suggestions on who I could talk to about a copywriting career rather than a copywriting assignment in blank? Right. So, so I think what the copywriters didn't understand with that quote is that all three blanks would probably be the same thing. Right, right. And they, they, they instead, they, you know, they did the usual thing that most copywriters do. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I mean, I got some really beautiful response to the post, very heartfelt. I responded to almost all of them. In fact, I sent you a, a bunch of them and you saw the way I- Yeah, great exchanges. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I was pretty, I was definitely kinder and gentler than I could have been on some of them. But I think that what they did was they really weren't paying attention to what I was really trying to do. You know, to say that I'm obsessed with, and they fill in the blank with health, mm -hmm. you know, they didn't get what I was saying. If they had said, I'm obsessed with, one of them did, one, there was somebody that said, I'm obsessed with, I'm making this up, but it was something like neurology and how it ties into pain management or something. I mean, it was something mm, like specific. really, really esoteric. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is freaking good. Because mm -hmm. now my advice was easy. Let's go do the research. Not me, you, copywriter. Go do the research. Find out who's the best in this area. Mm -hmm. And I'll bet, I'll bet dollars to donuts that that whoever you find is totally under-marketing themselves, that they have no idea what marketing even is if they're into neurology, for example, Yeah. that they realize they have this incredible mission and vision with, to, to get out to the world and they don't even know what direct response marketing is. They probably don't even know what a copywriter is. Wouldn't that be, now I'm not saying they're gonna pay you a million dollars right away, Right. but now all of a sudden, you really are obsessed with that subject area and because you are a clinical, I'm making this up just for, to give you an idea, but let's say this person who wrote to me, this copywriter has a PhD before they became a copywriter, mm -hmm. or they had got a master's degree in neurology and pain management. I made that up, but you, you get the idea. Right. And so the one that the one one of them I got was really good. It was I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was very very. It was very wasn't too narrow, but it was narrow. Yeah. Well, it was a niche. Right. And so just to not lose the point here before I go off on a rabbit hole here, what you hoped to get in response to this question and the point you were trying to make was specialize. Yeah. And so talk about that a little, Brian, and this mile deep as opposed to an inch, inch deep and a mile wide. Right. You know, look, there's an idea that copywriters should pride themselves on being able to write about any topic because they understand part of the pride of being a great copywriter is that you develop the skills of a sales detective. And that is a cool thing. And look, if it's part of your, if you're bored quickly and you're not passionate about any one topic, you're just passionate about the exercise of exploring topics and finding the juice and writing great copy for them, again, perfectly okay to, to stay a generalist. But again, we're looking to solve this problem of companies who do a very specific thing with copywriters who claim to be very passionate about maybe that same specific thing. 
and what it means to to specialize. So Brian, give some context, the great copywriters you've worked with, the lengths they would go to, to really understand a niche. Yeah. I mean, you did a great job with it right there, Kev. So I don't, I don't think I can improve on it. I can just add a couple of corollaries to it Mm -hmm. and stories. So a quick one would be my buddy and your buddy, Paris Lampropoulos, Mm -hmm. who I talk about a lot as the guy who I called as my second phone call when I got prostate cancer, Mm. because he he didn't specialize in prostate cancer. He never had it, but his client had a huge franchise. He had a client who had a huge franchise in naturopathic prostate, not just prostate cancer, but just prostate supplements and and health and natural remedies in, in the prostate health area. And so I knew, knowing how Paris takes the deep dive, that even though he wasn't his only deep dive, mm-hmm. it was one of a few as opposed, no, I shouldn't say a few. I mean, Paris is an exception. We're talking about one of the right. you know five best copywriters in the world, probably. Mm-hmm. But those guys were the exceptions because they were able to be generalists and then become the specialists because they devoted their whole life to the deep dive. Yeah, and, and Paris is like an encyclopedia on any of these topics. His instant recall of the facts, it's a special sort of talent. It is. And, and you know, so not everybody is Peyton Manning, right? So, right, right. You know, especially today. <laughs> yeah, especially today. And so, you know, even when uh, Peyton Manning lost his skills, he was still the best leader on the field. Right. So, you know, and that comes from years and years of doing the deep dive into quarterbacking slash prostate cancer or prostate awareness. <laughs> so I'll stop the analogy of Paris. Yeah. And, and then Gary Bitsavanga would famously take months to write a package. Correct. And you just knew that it wasn't going to get beat very quickly because. Gary had, I'm assuming, like a chess master, thought two or three moves ahead. If you know the next writer who was going to come up with the with, with a hook was probably when Gary rejected, <laughs> or it's when Gary thought of, and before the another writer got assigned, Gary went with his other hook to beat himself. Right, right. Because he had the, he knew all the best, or he or he rejected it, and he said, you know, you're going to die trying with that one. <laughs> right. But Gene Schwartz, perfect example. Gene Schwartz you know, would, I mean, talk about reading everything. And, you know, and again, when the guy was a speed reader, when the guy was, you know, reading was his number one vocation to some degree, it makes it a lot easier. So let's bring it to like normal human beings, right? Because yeah. we just talked about, you know, Gene Schwartz and, and Paris Lampropoulos and Gary Bensavango who are, who are not really human. Right, right. So not everybody, you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be superhuman to be effective, to be successful, to be good. And so the analogy would be that just do one or two of those, mm-hmm. you know, do one of the two of the things that that Gene could do a hundred on and you'll have a very successful career, I think. And so, you know, I think that there's a lot of lessons to be learned by watching those guys, but every single great copywriter, I know you, you, you nailed it. I mean, you said that the reason why, you know, a, a great copywriter should not be able to deliver their copy in two weeks unless they're superhuman is for this exact reason. And even the superhuman guys took way longer than that. Yeah. And so on the other end of the spectrum, I think to sympathize with the, the marketers slash clients for a little bit is that it's become quite easy for a novice copywriter to position themselves as an expert copywriter. It doesn't Mm -hmm. take a whole lot of study 
to learn the buzzwords and the concepts and the history of this industry and talk about it with some flair. And as a marketer who's overwhelmed with their business and really needs a solution, they're oftentimes guilty of only listening for those buzzwords and, you know, giving into impression in, in a single call or something, and then paying more than they potentially should for just one sales letter, trusting that it's what it needs to be, launching it and, and getting crickets back. And so that they, they feel duped because maybe it was 10K, maybe it was 30K, whatever it was, they're out that money and the writer shrugs and goes, ah, there's no guarantees in this business, even the best you know, come up yeah, sometimes. Yeah, that's a great example. I mean, I, I got I got kind of a, a bit of an epiphany on this, even after 35 years of doing it. When I met with the guys at Money Map Press, mm -hmm. which is one of the, probably the fastest growing division of Agora in the financial investing area. And, you know, they're very into hiring internal copywriters. They, in fact, they've asked me to find some people, but I'm not going to recommend anybody unless someone's done a a package soup to nuts and things like that. But they have this other idea that, you know, they've had really good luck hiring entry-level people mm -hmm. to learn research. Mm. And, you know, this, I think, you know, research is a, is a, is a term that's bandied about quite a bit among copywriters and marketers and not, more copywriters than marketers. Cause I don't think most marketers realize what money map has learned and what was kind of a kick in the head for me is that, you know, they feel like Money Map feels like if they hired an entry level person, even out of college, and they had some writing talent in college, or at least they wanted to be writers of some sort, these are entry level jobs. I mean, these are not high paying jobs. This is sort of you start at the ground up, and like, you know, you're the, like my son's the graduate assistant on the football coaching staff, and he's got a long way to go before he becomes even, you know, a position coach, much less a coordinator, much less a head coach, right? Right. So the research aspect, which I wasn't aware of, and you know this better, Kev, because you're a working copywriter and I'm not, but Money Map feels that if you learn the research first, mm -hmm. that's sort of what, in a way, what Gene Schwartz was talking about. You know, don't write your copy first. You know, why does Paris teach his copy cubs to write fascinations, you know, bullet yeah. points, right. before he teaches them to write headlines? before he teaches them to write body copy, before he teaches them, you know, narrative styles. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact he teaches, I, I think he still does, yeah. teaches the fascination bullet type writing first because that comes directly from the research that you do. So Money Map took that to the next level and said, we're only going to hire, you know, we'll hire entry-level people, give them a shot, but they're going to learn research the way we teach it. Yeah, They're going to learn research the way we think it needs to be taught to become a world-class copywriter five years from now. I don't think they want those researchers writing a stitch of copy for two or two years. Yeah. There's a restaurant here in Tampa, Brian, that's been around forever, Burns Steakhouse. And in order to become a server on the floor, you have to spend six months in the kitchen. Interesting. Six months in the kitchen. You know, just delivering food to tables, seeing how the kitchen works, understanding on a very deep level what's on the menu and why. They're also one of the biggest, I think they have the largest wine collection, if not in the world, in the United States. So you also have to become a sommelier, am I saying that right? Yes, you are. So 
that's, I think, what Money Map is trying to say is that, look, we can do great work together, but there's some undeniable protocol, at least from our experience, that we're just not willing to skip. And I think that's great. Problem with freelancers is that it flies in the face. And this is what we talked about a little bit of one of the problems here is that there's we there's a fantasy at, at work <laughs> to what it means to be a freelance copywriter, the laptop on the beach and all that horse crap. And again, the really proud freelancers are the ones who are rolling their eyes right now going, don't talk to me about research. Like I'm, I bury myself in it, uh, you know? Right, right, right. And, and and we're not, that's not who we're talking to. Right, not who we're talking to. But Although I'd like to hear them come on to the webinar if we yeah. do a webinar and reinforce what we're saying or tell us we're full of shit, but I think we're right. No, we're here. not. I, I think they have it right. And that's what I mean about being willing to nurture talent. I love that protocol. But, you know, if somebody comes to freelancing late in life, the value of having them around is that they have life experience and that makes them better writers. It makes them probably better researchers in a lot of ways. However, they're probably not in a position to take what might be considered, I don't know what they're offering to pay, but you know, a low level sort of slash entry position to develop into somebody who might write a package. Well, that was my lament, you know, that we didn't do that at Boardroom and, you know, people like, and, and Stansbury did it as well at Agora. And there are other companies that are willing to invest in that, and and what Ramit does, or what Bowen, Dean Graziosi yeah. did. I mean, they're all different versions of the same thing in a way. But I think, yeah, it's a, it is about from the client side to be to be willing to make that investment. But I think you also hit on something which was really critical that you said the guys who are sitting there listening to this, who are the ones who, you know, deep, take the deep dives. They're saying Kevin and Brian get off this already. It's you know we know we know we know. But how many people have you and I met that they think, as you said, the superficial dive is a deep dive? And that's just not being in reality. Yeah. And that, you know, how they define research and how they define, as you say, you put it, well, you said it better than I can about, you know, they know a few buzzwords and all of a sudden they're an expert. Yeah. And it just doesn't work because that's not going to beat the guy or the gal who's done the kind of research we're talking about. You're never going to get a winner against those people. You're not going to swim in those pools and win. Yeah, it'd be like trying to go undercover and infiltrate the Mexican drug cartel, you know, after your first night of cocaine, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just, you you know, you could, even if you spoke fluent Spanish, you'd be in trouble quickly, you know? I had a guy once on a job interview at Boardroom we wanted somebody to look into why I don't know at the time. I didn't like the idea. Marty and I disagreed on this one, but we, we had all these great books in mail order. And we were making a lot of money in mail order books, but he said, I want to do trade books. You know, I think he hated the fact that our books weren't at Barnes and Noble and, you know, that they weren't readily available. And I knew that that was our secret sauce, you know, that yeah. you couldn't get the books anywhere else. So he said, I want to have a trade book division of, of books that we do and that we sell to the bookstores. And I'm like, all right, well, if you really want to, Marty. So we're interviewing a guy. And the guy, this was a real quote, because it's exactly to your drug cartel thing. It made me think. We said, he said to this guy, you know, why are you, qual-? he's from some publishing house. He goes, so why do you, uh, oh, no, no, not even. He's like, he had done something in publishing. I said, why do you think you could run our trade book division? He goes, well, I really like to read. <laughs> that was a real quote in an interview. Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I, I've done cocaine once and I want to. <laughs> yeah, now I'm there. I, I can do this. I can get I can get through this. 
Yeah, that's yeah. so funny. So I think that you know the so yeah I mean we beat the whole idea of specialization to death, but well, but you know look based on the answers you got back to that question again we're not criticizing the answers because they they were enlightening for how they were answered, and it I think it comes full circle a little bit and it speaks to the different perspectives between freelancers and marketers, and so let's get Brian because we're at an hour here. This is such a big topic an important topic. We've covered a lot, but there's three points I think that both parties can focus on together to, to think about how to take this forward. And again, there's no way we can put a button on this conversation in, in one hour of podcasting here. So no. if there is interest, we welcome conjecture. Please challenge us. Please get pissed and write rants, whatever comes to mind, because it's all important for Again, this is not just something to talk about. There's there's a lot of opportunity here and just some things need to be recognized and worked out so these parties can come together. Well, I, and and the fact is, I mean, I'm not I'm not just saying this as a carrot, but where I am in my life right now is, you know, I'm not at boardroom anymore, infiltrating, you know, all different areas of the marketing world cuz, you know, 35 years gives me at least a ticket into some rooms whether I deserve to be there or not. But I get into rooms where with incredible marketers all the time. And again, what what's the biggest question I get? Can you find me a copywriter, Brian? I hear you know a lot of copywriters. And so, you know, I'm like into doing the matchmaking, but I'm also not into being a headhunter either. So I think that there is some payoff down the road if we continue this conversation with your tribe, my tribe. And I would like to know you know, from from the people who are listening to this, you know, does it make sense then to take this to the next step, which would be probably more of an open format, yeah. you know, almost like a hangout yeah. and start getting more of an interactive discussion. I mean, you and I can riff on this for another six hours if we wanted to, right? but people are probably sick of hearing me. I'm sure they're not sick of hearing you. You've right. got that melodious voice. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that to me would then maybe take the conversation to another step. Mm -hmm. And again, what's my goal? My goal what, what did I write at the end of that, at the very end of that post? Didn't I have like a, I had a whole, like a quote that basically said like, what my, like, why am I doing this kind of thing? Yeah. You said, I could be wrong about all this. Of course, I would love your thoughts on it based on your experiences on either side, marketer or copywriter. I know I have tons of brilliant folks in this list in both camps, so I would love to hear from you. But if I am right, or even partially right, I'm excited about a new kind of matchmaking, one that turns the client copywriter paradigm on its ear. Of course, if you are the next Jim Rutz, feel free to ignore everything I just said, since you probably can still make a million bucks as a hired gun, and I want to meet you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but for everyone else, let's start a new conversation. I think, and that's exactly what this is. This is sort of the next, you know, we just had coffee for a second time, right? And, and, yes. and so, but we know we've heard from a lot of great people and really smart marketers, and this is why you know, this is a reflection of what we heard back. And now we want to take it to the next step and speak directly with everybody. I, I love the idea of a hangout. You can jump on mic and camera with us and, you know, let's just take this to the next level. And I'm sure- yeah, I would advertise the hangout to my list. I have a list of about, I don't know how many right now, six or 7,000, but I would, you know, advertise this as a live hangout. I think, you know, we talked about, you know, David Deutsch kind of chimed in to me and you about some of these issues from the perspective of 
the million dollar copywriter. Mm -hmm. And so that's another perspective that we could get. I'd love to have Deutsch, yeah. Hang out, right? Mm -hmm. And I would let David have the mic, even if you and I stopped talking it, but. Good luck. More me than you. But anyway, <laughs> we could get David to, you know, chime in there and get that. Because he's got some interesting perspectives about if you're more advanced, yeah, how you could be the internal coach for a client. Or he didn't he talk about like working closely with a few select companies on strategy and copy mm-hmm. and being compensated not just for your copy that won, but for your strategy and for your brain power, because you've got other skills besides just the actual writing, which David, of course, has put in the 10,000 hours. Yeah, absolutely. And, and is hired to do that for many companies. And look, there's some roles that need to be filled here. There's, you know, your freelancer, there's got to be a chief somewhere in the mix there. And I don't know if the chief should always be the strategist as well. So there's potentially... You know, if Money Map may feel like, look, we've got it all figured out about how to market, we need people producing the the material. It starts with research. You can work your way up. That's fine for a company that has a protocol they believe in. Yeah, I mean, Agora's that's a pretty sophisticated marketer too. Right, right. But if you're a company that has grown to, I don't know, let's say between five and ten million, and direct response is at the heart of your operations and you're constantly asking folks like us where you can find a great copywriter, it's really especially for you as the company to start to embrace, you know, a a nurturing environment and how you can develop talent. Because there's a lot of hungry writers out there who would love the opportunity to learn and grow with you. So three things to concentrate on, I think you could take away from this call. Number one, specialize. If you know, you're a copywriter, really find out, is there one topic you're passionate enough about that you could live in it maybe forever? Or is there one or two? It could be as diverse as health and finance. Those are the two big, you know, but more than likely it would be health and then, you know, niche down your interest within health. Say, I don't know, you know, diabetes and pain management or or something like that. And so number one is specialize, especially for the writers, but even for the companies, look for specialists. Yes. Yeah. Number two, define roles. And again, this is critical because we're talking about how there's a lot of roles that need to be covered here. And yeah, so you got Money Map on one hand saying, look, you come in as a researcher, it might take you two years, you better learn the wine list before you ever talk to a table, those kinds of things dig it. But there are other people, again, because they're busy and they don't have time to really think about, they're looking for Superman, copywriter, strategist, you know, whole ball of wax. And that very quickly leads to frustration for both parties, I can tell you from a lot of experience. When roles are not defined verbally and contractually, things go haywire fast. And what could have been a great opportunity becomes a lot of fingers being waved at each other. Yes. And number three, We've talked about a lot, a willingness to nurture talent and say, what kind of protocol could I create? Look at our buddy, John Bowen. We were able to, in a couple hours of phone conversation, come up with a really sensible system that he now has in place. He found a chief and the chief went out and found some talent and he is now nurturing that talent. And, you know, the guy who is the chief, it's basically his company that John is their foundation client. And 
you know, I think that's a sensible model for success. It's just one way they did it to give you an example. But there are lots of creative models out there for you to be able to begin working towards nurturing talent because, hey, how much better could you be doing as a company if you could pump out more and better copy all the time, right? Yeah, no, that, that, I think that's a great summary of what we did here today. And I think, you know, I'm probably going to, I definitely want to share this this interview as well with my audience when we see what kind of response we get to taking this to that next interactive approach, because I think that's where we could start. Yeah. Because you and I, I think, are both very much committed to nurture the talent as well. Like we want to see your audience get more jobs, right? And we want to see my audience get more jobs. When I say jobs, I mean, we want to create opportunity for both of our audiences at a very high level, I think. Absolutely. I think, you know, look, just to be totally transparent, it serves both of our business models, but our business models exist because our experience in this industry creates those questions to be asked to both of us relentlessly. And so it only makes sense. But look, there are a lot better ways to make money in this industry than nurturing copy talent (laughs) and helping them partner with other companies. Right, right. I mean, my bigger mission, obviously, is, you know, because I have, you know, a high level mastermind group and I do teaching at classes, all of this is like, you know, being transparent is all my boats get to rise this way. If I could bring along the best talent and match them up and create incredible opportunities so that every company that I come in contact with is able to 2X, 5X, 10X. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to be a hero to them. I mean, isn't that what we live for? I mean, yeah. Dan Sullivan always says, you know, in Strategic Coach, he always says, you know, you always want to think about who you want to be a hero to. I want to be a hero to the best marketers on the planet. I love that. And if I want to be a hero to the best marketers on the planet, I better bring them resources that are damn good. Yeah, and my passion is helping hungry writers develop their talent and their skills so that they can make a career out of something they're really excited about. You know, when we're both doing a decent job, I mean, we have, we have a lot of people who are helping. I know. Yeah, I think we're doing pretty good. But yeah, I think it's another level. Yeah. So just to call it out, this is, you know, this is not some like hidden uh, launch model here, (laughs) (laughs) but it it is just honestly one of these things where there's got to be a better answer to that question than Like, where do I even begin when somebody says, hey, do you know a good copywriter? It's like, exactly. there's no clean answer for that right now. And so that's what we're up to here. And I'm thanking, you know, a couple of my clients like Money Map and a few others where they kind of challenged me. It's like, Brian, you know, everybody go, go figure it out. Yeah, right. And Mm -hmm. so that's when I thought of you, Kev. And I thought that we could combine forces here a little bit. And um I'm excited about that. Plus, you're a funny guy, so I get some good. Uh, <laughs> As indicated by this call, where I've been, uh, <laughs> I've been a riot. Yeah. No, but I think we're, you know, it's a, it's a nice combination because you know I'm probably more, even though I have a lot of copywriters on my list, I'm more coaching the marketers, and you're more coaching the copywriters. Right. So I think combine, you know, there's a Venn diagram. We have overlaps of both on both our lists, but I think it's a nice combination, and I. I think, you know, I'm hoping that what we're doing here is a one plus one equals three. And let's see what kind of interest we get, because I'm open to, you know, going next step and doing the live chat and then starting to I'm not saying I want to create a headhunting service for copywriters, but I certainly love the idea of matching up, you know, great experts with great experts, both on the 
creative and uh, marketing side. Yeah, I think that'd be the first agenda. Like, what can we create where there is like a Rolodex, you know? Right. That we can either scan or invite a client to scan or a freelancer to scan opportunities that are out there based on their passions and talents. So, And I'm sure AWAI has all kinds of stuff and, you know, there's stuff out there. It's not like there aren't directories, but I think we're taking a deeper dive in that. If we can. Yeah, I think because really there can be a problem with that in that if that directory isn't a true matchmaking service. And look, I have not found a way around knowing a writer's work intimately before I can recommend them to high level clients. Right. I didn't know any other way to do that except to say go play, which is those are two ways that people can find writers in my world of copy chief is, you know, Either go look at the directory or go put up some copy for critique and hope that your best copywriter comes to weigh in on it, you know, or ask me directly. But when you ask me directly, I've got like, I can count them on both hands, the people that I am familiar with enough to really recommend, right? Exactly. And so, again, this is like not anybody's major payday. This is kind of a passion play for both of us, but we know there's opportunity here. And uh, so for now, this is the discussion and I appreciate you bringing it to me, Brian. It's it's an honor to be aligned with you on this. Same here. And I'm really excited and hopeful that we'll get the same kind of response that your post did and that we will have this hangout because uh, copywriters uh, are a lot of fun. And that's going to definitely be a colorful discussion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say it's been very gratifying. I, I've been blogging for three years. I got more response to this blog than any blog by far. Awesome. And you saw a lot of the responses. I mean, they were really heartfelt. And yeah. I would say, what, 90% of them were, you know, I wasn't looking for affirmation, but 90% of them were, I think you nailed it, Brian, with a couple of caveats that we talked about here today. Mm -hmm. And so that gave us the direction for this call too, yep. which was cool. Yeah. That's why it's a perfect next step, right? Because it's, we're factoring in a lot of the best uh, response we heard. So. Yep. Yep. So come join us. Look for more. Brian and I will both be announcing it to our list. If this is a topic of interest to you and you feel like you have a lot to say about it, we would love to hear from you directly on the next uh, episode now. The <laughs> of, next episode. Of Million Dollar Copywriter. <laughs> <laughs> the live interactive game show. <laughs> All right, pal, this was fun. We'll, we'll do it again soon. Uh, look forward to it. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Truth About Marketing podcast. If you like this show and you think other people would like this show, the best way to spread the word is by reviewing and rating the show in iTunes. Just log in, click review, leave a big old fat five-star review, and let everybody know that you dig the show so that they can dig it too. To get all the links and resources we mentioned on today's episode, please go to copychief.com forward slash T-A-M, as in truth about marketing. And if you'd like to learn more about how you can improve your sales copy with uh, templates, formulas, coaching, feedback, or hiring a pro, do all that on the inside of the members area of copychief.com. And I will look for you there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.